And now, a Blaze Media podcast. All right, this is a warning that, well, it's just a warning. Uh, two schoolgirls from India have discovered an asteroid which is slowly shifting its orbit and moving toward Earth. Now, congratulations to the two schoolgirls, uh, Radhika Lakhani and Vadia Vakaria. I guess that's right. It'll have to do. I apologize if it's incorrect. Now, they have discovered this asteroid, which on a project from school, they're both in 10th grade, that uh, their project, now they get to name it, and they've chosen, I mean, rolls right off the tongue, HLV-2514. I mean, you think of discovering uh, a new asteroid and naming it, uh, boy, you'd say, what do you want to name it? Well, HLV-2514. Oh, okay. That sounds great. So anyway, they discovered this asteroid, HLV-2514. And they have warned us that it's right now currently close to the orbit of Mars. But in one million years, it will change its orbit and move closer to Earth. Now, it'll still be at a distance of more than 10 times the distance which exists between the Earth and the Moon. But asteroids are to be taken very seriously. And this asteroid is changing its orbit. It could change again and move, you know, five times the distance between us and the moon. But I'm warning you now, there's an asteroid headed toward Earth or moving closer to Earth. And we need to be on the lookout for HLV 2514. Well, well, well. Looky here. AMC Theaters has agreed to a deal with Universal Pictures. Their deal is allowing the studio's movies to be made available to U.S. audiences at home after just three weekends in the theaters. Huh. Boy, AMC should have used me to negotiate their deal. Because I wanted uh, four weeks. But uh, they went for the three. They are going to receive a portion of the revenue that Universal generates from premium video on demand during the first weeks a film is offered to at-home viewers. Well, that's weeks. We don't know if that's one week or two weeks. But they didn't disclose any of the other financial deals. Good for AMC uh, because they know their days are numbered and they're hanging on and getting as much as they can right now, especially during COVID. On top of prior to COVID, this deal was gonna was going to happen. But now with COVID, have a nice day. So we'll see how that works out. I, I mean, that's a good deal for you and me. Uh, three weeks? Uh, yeah, go ahead. It's all yours, AMC. And then uh, good luck. 
Good luck hanging on, bringing people into the theater, sitting them, uh, you know, social distance apart, and everybody wearing masks, and uh, you know, hosing down the theaters. I mean, it's a it's a rough business to be in. I I, I do. I, I feel for it. I understand the frustration. So I mean, they are definitely trying to hang on, and and I get it. And hopefully, they're you know, using, you know, hopefully they're going to make some money. They probably will make some. My deal, I told you, we've talked about it before, would have been, <laughs> sounds just a tad bit different than what uh, what they got. So their deal is three weeks, they get the movie, and then in the first weeks, doesn't specifically say how long, they get a uh, portion of the money that it Universal generates from video on demand and where do they get the portion from all video on demand money or just specific cable companies like i don't know you know comcast the company that owns universal (laughs) yeah that's kind of funny how that works out isn't it (laughs) yeah it sure does. So, look, I'm all for it. No problem. I, really, it should be both. And, you know, if you want to go see it on the big screen at the theater, you go right ahead. But, you know, I'm going to watch it at home for, uh, you know, how much ever they're going to charge. And, really, they're going to charge less than what I would have charged. So, you know, maybe both of them should have just let me write out a deal. I should have write out a, uh, written out a contract and a deal between uh, the movie theaters and the uh, movie generators, and then we could have just signed my deal, and I could have you know taken my cut because I would have given them four weeks at the theater, not three. I would have given them a portion of the first week, not the first weeks of the video on demand. And then, uh, then we're done. Then we're done. Have a nice day. And we'll still, you know, you can, we'll, we'll give you promotion before, you know, the movie after, well, there's an idea. All right. That's what we'll do. You get it for four weeks and then we get it to share revenue with you the first week. And after that, it's all ours, but we'll give you a promo that airs you know, either at the beginning or the end of the movie, and you're probably going to demand for the beginning. So we'll start with the end, uh, that says, Hey, enjoyed this movie at your house. You know, you can enjoy it better at AMC theaters and, you know, do a full blown promo for AMC and, you know, get your popcorn and the big screen and we keep everything clean and it's a beautiful place. And why be at home? Why be stuck at home when you can come and be stuck with us? Or something like that. It's my own little off-the-top AMC ad. I'm sure they appreciate it. (laughs) But that is great news. Because we've been after it for how long? I mean, I want to be able to watch the movies at my house sooner than three, four, five, six months down the road after they've been released. Let me watch it at my house. Please, please. And now, I will be able to. Thank you. Now, the one thing we won't be able to do, 
uh, if the artists have anything to say about it, you know, and the group Artist Rights Alliance uh, has anything to say about it, is we won't be able to hear music that we all like at political events. So all these groups, big name groups, R.E.M., Rolling Stones, Elton John, dozens of artists uh, have all signed their names and or their band names to a letter that uh, wants to uh, keep politicians off their music. So that's it. We want our music or they're going to pay for it. Uh, And I'm guessing that even if they don't, even if they pay for it, a lot of these artists are going to uh, going to say no. Sorry, I know you paid us, but sorry. So I mean, there are plenty of bands, uh, plenty of people uh, have signed this letter. Uh, Roseanne Cash, I'm told, is the front runner on this. She's a I'm sorry, a front runner. <laughs> wow, uh, I apologize, uh, Roseanne. Uh, she is a tireless advocate and helped with this letter as did other members of the artist rights alliance board um rem was the earliest to sign on um good for them now they've you know they began their their letter with dear campaign committees An artist's activists and citizens, I'm sorry, as artists, activists, and citizens, we ask you to pledge that all candidates you support will seek consent from featured recording artists and songwriters before using their music in campaign and political settings. Yeah, they don't care if they're getting paid or not. They want to be able to tell you whether or not you can play their music or not. Uh, According, you know, we know this is not a new problem or a partisan one. Right. Every election cycle brings stories of artists and songwriters frustrated to find their work being used in settings that suggest endorsement or support of political candidates without their permission or consent. I got news for you. The letter goes on, but I'm pausing for a moment. I got news for you. If I hear a Rolling Stones song, for instance, as an example, at a political event, at any kind of event at all. I am liking to hear the song, but I don't say, oh, that must mean the Rolling Stones believe that this event is great, that this person is wonderful. I don't think that. Now, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. Now, the legal, the letter continues on and on and on, and I'll just break it up a little bit for you. The legal risks are clear. Campaign uses of music can violate federal and, in some cases, state copyrights in both sound recordings and musical compositions. Depending on the technology used to copy and broadcast these works, multiple exclusive copyrights, including both performance and reproduction, could be infringed. In addition, the uses impact creators, rights of publicity and branding, potentially creating exposure for trademark infringement, dilution or tarnishment under the Lantham Act, I love the Lantham Act. It's actually the Lanham Act. It's not the Lantham Act. It's the L-A-N-H-A-M Act. And giving rise to claims for false endorsement. No, you know, it it doesn't. I'm sorry. You may think that, that, you know, Trump walks out on stage to your song. And now I think that Mick Jagger 
loves Donald Trump. I don't think that. I don't think that at all. You know, I, I just don't. I'm sorry. It just it just doesn't happen to me. So the uh, and they you know got their letter down, and of course that's what they you know they, even if you pay right. I mean, for all these reasons, we urge you to establish clear policies requiring campaigns supported by our committees to seek the consent of featured recording artists, songwriters, and copyright owners before publicly using their music in a political or campaign setting. Funding, logistical support, and participation in committee programs, operations, events should be contingent on this pledge. And its terms should be clearly stated in writing in in your bylaws, operating guidelines, campaign manuals, and where you establish any other relevant rules, requirements, or conditions of support. And they signed the letter sincerely, and it starts with A in alphabetical order with Aerosmith, and then we'll just go all the way down here to the Kurt Cobain estate, all the way down Lionel Richie, Mick Jagger, R.E.M., uh, Train, in alphabetical order. Is that it? Is that it? We stopped at Train? Okay. Uh, good. Uh, Steven Tyler uh, even signed this separate from Aerosmith. Good for him. Good for him. Did the Rolling Stones sign this? No, the Rolling Stones did not sign this. But Mick Jagger and Keith Richards signed it uh, separately. But the Rolling Stones didn't sign this. Elton John, Elvis Costello, Fallout Boy, Green Day. Aren't you all just great? Uh, you know, I, I good for them. I, I hope. Look, this is what I want. They should be, they should be given compensation rightfully so the compensation that they're due from whatever industry they're a part of for it playing. But other than that, that should be it. Uh, you know, we have such a hard time here on uh, the blaze podcast network and the blaze radio network. Uh, because you know, in the back, back in the old days, um, we used to play music all the time. And we'd have bids, and we'd laugh, and we'd listen to music, and we'd promote the artist. Nope. Not anymore. Because you have to pay big money. Radio stations and corporations pay a lot of money to play songs and play music. Now, I will say that uh, I'm not sure, because what's supposed to happen, like if, if I'm on a radio station, if I'm doing a radio show, and, uh, oh, let's say, let's use... Uh, Somebody that's on the radio every day. Who's, oh, I know Glenn Beck. And uh, he's on for Premier Radio Networks. Now, what's supposed to happen is that while each of these local radio stations that broadcast the show uh, have their own deals with, you know, ASCAP and BMI and pay whatever whatever their deal is that they pay, they're still supposed to document it. Like the talk stations pay separately and the music stations have a lump sum deal with ASCAP and BMI. So if Glenn were to play a song, which he never does anymore because uh, it's too expensive. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of money involved. Uh, then the local radio station would have to write it down as well. So if I've had my song played on Glenn's show I could get money from him and then I could go back and see if all these radio stations wrote down that they played it. And if they didn't, I could go after them. And all these radio hosts that play songs, I mean, it really kind of ticks me off because, you know, it's a hit or miss kind of thing. And a lot of these artists uh, go after 
uh, shows and stations and particular people just because they don't like them. Well, if I'm paying, you know, so be it. I know Rush had that deal. That's a, you know, it's a big deal with the pretenders, uh, and his theme music. And, you know, he's paid a fortune and, uh, they were happy to get the money. (laughs) They were pissed, pissed that it was Rush Limbaugh's music, but you know, then they, and they got the checks and they realized, you know, if we just don't talk about it, then Rush can use it and we'll just get the checks. Huh. That's a strange thing, isn't it? Maybe you just don't say anything and you collect the money. There's a thought. One company that's not going to be collecting any money in New York right now is the Revel uh, Electric Moped Service. Is it Revel or Revel? R-E-V-E-L. The Electric Moped Service. Um, I mean, when you go to New York, you want to hop on a scooter and ride it around the city, don't (laughs) you? Yes, you do. Uh, Why get in a vehicle that's covered when you can just hop on a scooter? Well, they're shutting down temporarily, of course, in NYC to review safety protocols. Now, they had another rider who passed away who died on uh, Tuesday earlier this week. And uh, a couple weeks ago, they had someone else uh, die while, you know, riding their scooter or not riding their scooter or whatever the case may be. But uh, since launching a couple years ago, They've expanded to Miami, Austin, Oakland, and D.C. And really, I mean, when you want to go to Miami and you just want to hop on a scooter and ride around in 100-degree weather, don't you? Of course you do. Now, uh, you know, the pandemic gave it a little boost. People didn't want to take public transportation. I don't even know if the public transportation was running, so be able to hop on a scooter at least when you were in the city. But, uh, and they're already facing, you know, a bunch of different lawsuits, uh, because of, uh, faulty mopeds, you know, that's the allegations of course. And so now they make uh, everyone watch a safety video. The bikes are equipped with two helmets, although they don't have a way to enforce. Uh, there should be a way to, you know, you can't take the helmet off. The you know, thing won't start unless you have the helmet off. Of course, you could just leave the helmet there on the sidewalk, but whatever. And then uh, they have, uh, they make, if you with their app, they make you have a safety exam. And they've suspended a couple thousand accounts for unsafe behavior. I mean, that's trying to take the bull by the horns a little bit, right? I remember we have the e-scooter problems and I mean, there's, there's plenty of issues with the e-scooters and the riding uh, electric moped services so we'll see how that works out now in new york don't forget about mayor de blasio's uh vision zero program which means he wants zero traffic deaths really what he's trying to do with vision zero is just eliminating you know vehicles in manhattan and that will be his Vision Zero program. 221 people so far have died in traffic crashes uh, last year. And his Vision Zero program has been, you know, been up and running for for quite some time. You know, I hope they make it. I hope they do all right. There's bankruptcies. Uh, I know the the report 
about uh, bankruptcies is, is pretty, it sounds worse than it is. We've talked about it. Uh, we talked about companies going out of business before, but uh, we're talking about uh, more retailers have filed for bankruptcy so far this year than in all of 2019, right? And people, their stores, you know, closing stores, which is costing, you know, a lot of jobs. No question uh, about it. But when you look at the chart, I was looking at a chart of bankruptcies and from 2007 to today, up to today, 2020, uh, it's pretty incredible. So according to this chart, up to today, if you're listening live, the 29th of July, 2020, to Chewing the Fat, uh, thank you, by the way, uh, we've had 40, 40 retail bankruptcies and last year we had a total of 32 a total of 32 so we're already more than last year and this year isn't even done but but way back in ancient history far in a land far far away in the year 2007 and the year 2008 and the year 2009 328 441 407 retail bankruptcies wow wow that and then it dropped down to you know 48 45 24 21 20 31 32 40 33 32 40 i mean wow i mean you could say, I guess, during the uh, you know during the Obama years, that uh, you know there weren't that many retail bankruptcies, but you could also say in 07, 08, and all 09, they all went out of business, so there wasn't any any more companies to go out of business. Obviously, there was, but not a huge number. Wow, three hundred and twenty-eight in two thousand seven, four hundred and forty-one in 2008 and 407 in 2009 wow that makes 40 look pretty good doesn't it i know it does (laughs) i mean let's go to the break room that's how good it looks let's go to the break room and have a drink of some ice cold refreshments Oh, it's so good. Today's the day. Got the heads of the four families, the new mafia, uh, testifying in front of the Judiciary Committee. Judiciary. Judiciary Committee. Can't speak today. Maybe that's every day, Jeff. No, I think it was just today. Uh, Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon. All going to be testifying remotely, of course. So, hope they remember to mute the mic. <laughs> That'd actually be funny if, you know, one of them didn't and uh, said something really good. But it's not going to happen, right? It just isn't going to happen. Sorry. Um, if it does, someone should be fired. No question. Um You should have someone there taking care of you. It's all about antitrust. Antitrust. 
uh, and the relationship with big business, right? So um, it got its name with the, uh, I'll give you a little history lesson here that I learned uh, as we're reading about uh, antitrust. Um, With the Sherman Antitrust Act in 1890. I mean, you knew that, right? Of course you did. Uh, It gave uh, politicians the... uh, antitrust machete according to this article uh but it wasn't until teddy roosevelt took office in 1901 that they actually started doing some doing some machete um roosevelt's department of justice roosevelt's department of justice brought 44 antitrust suits against different companies starting with jp morgan's northern securities company then the u.s largest railroad monopoly uh and then he chopped up standard oil then companies started working around the sherman act uh they created holding companies and mergers and shared leadership and some trust continued sucking up uh, fair competition bastards that's why in 1914 we needed congress to enact the clayton act which filled in the cracks from the sherman act and it banned interlocking directorates or directorates uh good good and the federal trade commission was also created that year and put in charge of antitrust enforcement yeah so how about that so be ready to create some more interesting stuff from uh, from these hearings today but uh it'll be interesting to uh to see what they have to say and one of the heads of the four families uh jeff bezos from amazon uh he's not really the head i mean his family his mafia family is pretty strong. I would say that uh, probably the strongest of the mafia family is Google. Um, Sunjai Picar, but uh, I don't know that I don't know that Sunjai holds a power over Bezos. Uh, we'll see. And then you have Tim Cook from Apple and uh, Zuckerberg from Facebook. Zuck's on the bottom. Right, he's just he just does what he's told. Tim Cook, uh, pretty. I think you got Bezos, Cook, Google, Facebook. Right. And uh, as far as the as far as the pyramid of power from uh, these new uh, these new mafia families, which is why uh, the head of uh, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, his wife. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, former wife, uh, who is now called uh, Mackenzie Scott, by the way. Uh, she is having nothing to do with with Bezos, right? She got her new last name, and it was taken from her middle name, and she wants nothing to do with Jeff Bezos, you know, except for the money. Uh, other than that, I don't want anything to do with you. So she has, you remember, she signed the uh, giving pledge, a commitment to donate the majority of her fortune. Well, good. And uh, so now, uh, and she, you know, she just, they're making a big deal out of her donating uh, $1.7 billion 
dollars sensor split with Jeff. And, uh, you know, good for her. Good for her. But get this. According to this article, according to this article, right, she she got $36 billion at the time of uh, the divorce. And we talked about it, that it was like, I thought she was only worth like 50-some, 50 $58 billion or something now. But according to this, it's $60 billion. So she's going to have a little doing to give it all away. And I just want you to know, Mackenzie, I'm here for you. Uh, I don't want to ask for it because, you know, you don't want to ask billionaires for money because they just look at you like, no, Uh, what are you crazy? Go make your own billion. But if they feel like they're doing good and just want to give it to you, then that's good. And you have to say yes. You couldn't say no, no, Mackenzie. No, I'm not going to take 500 million from you to, you know, have my family be fine for the rest of their lives and their children's lives. No, I'm not going to do that. You have to take it. It's a must. So I'm here for you, Mackenzie. It makes you feel better. It'll be part of your giving pledge and you'll know you're helping out an American family. So I'm here for you. That's all I'm saying. I'm here for you. (laughs) And then we got the Emmys. Oh, we got to talk about the Emmys. Why am I blabbing on about the heads of the four families and we got the Emmys to talk about? Now we got to do that, you know, in one moment. Right after this, on Chewing the Fat. Yeah, we'll get to the Emmys. You know, I've got we've got to talk about the Emmys, and I know uh, I definitely, uh, you know, we'll talk about uh, the Emmys when uh, Chris gets back. He'll be back this week. He had some kind of little bougie travel that he takes care of so i know he has some uh he has some different ideas on what shows are good what shows are bad and he's wrong but we can hear from him doesn't you know i'm happy to hear from him whether he's wrong or not so uh according to this boeing uh lost 2.4 billion dollars in the second quarter as the coronavirus pandemic has led demand for air travel to uh i don't know collapse here's another company i mean they're lowering production rates and eliminating jobs i mean there's no no need for new aircraft and they were in trouble anyway uh before the pandemic right i mean uh they had uh, big trouble big trouble with uh their uh but they're max, right? Whatever their, whatever the stupid thing was. You know, the, the 737 max. I mean, they were having big troubles with that before this. So, I mean, we heard from, uh, right. Southwest who said they were, you know, I guess not going to furlough anybody right now that air travel was going to have to triple. Uh, it's going to have to more than triple. I mean, we're looking at uh, the TSA checkpoint numbers for the 28th of July, 2020, at 536,756 travelers through the TSA turnstiles. 
and a year ago it was two million four hundred and thirty eight thousand nine hundred and sixty seven yeah it's gonna have to pick up at least a third and now we are saying we're seeing reports that show air travel industry is not expected to recover until 2024 and i would guess that it may never come back the way it was because many companies have realized that the travel they were doing isn't necessary we'll see uh you know one-on-one business deals are still the best way to do it so uh you know we'll see although companies are struggling right and uh what was keeping the airlines afloat was and this is just you know hypothetical hypothetically speaking what was helping keep the airlines afloat that many of the two million travelers last year were business travelers and they were charging their flights to their business accounts and while many businesses allowed you to keep your bonus points personally they were paying for your corporate travel which was getting charged an outrageous amount of money from the airlines and you heard me airlines outrageous amount what you charge for tickets is way too much and you know it you know it and now you're seeing the you're seeing that come come back home the chickens are coming home to roost so we'll see how that uh, how that works out we'll see how you can i mean do i love to fly yes but i mean if it's a must then let's do it but why it's just we'll see it's a, it's not a it's not a good time for the airline industry that is for sure all right so the emmys yeah baby um netflix recorded 160 nominations for the 72nd annual primetime emmy awards now those emmy awards are coming up sunday september 7th see if anybody shows up or if they just have it all hey we're over here we're telling you why congratulations we'll show videos we've already told the people who won that they won so they're you know they're celebrating squares just look up at the big screen there they are at home yeah there's the cast of succession all at home hey guys congratulations so we'll see uh HBO got 107 nominations, but HBO scored the most mentions uh, with 26 for its limited series Watchmen, which was it was pretty good. I mean, it was all right. I mean, I don't know that I'd give it pretty good actually. I would just say it was all right. But uh, the marvelous Miss Maisel ranked uh, second with 20 nominations. Ozark, Netflix's Ozark, HBO Succession got 18. Wow. Mandalorian, Saturday Night Live, and Pops, and Shit's Creek, uh, 15. I think they're, they'll be the runaway since they were, that's, this is their last season, and, you know, 
Everybody loves them now, and they're great. Succession better win something. We'll break it down. Uh, you know, I was going through the different, uh, I was going through all the different shows and different actors and actresses. Um, you know, in the in the nomination press release that they have here. You know, I mean, can we break up outstanding character voice over performance? Which I am not on any of those. Outstanding animated program. Outstanding production design for a narrative contemporary program, one hour or more. Outstanding production design for a narrative period or fantasy program, one hour or more. Outstanding production design for a narrative program, half hour. Outstanding production design for a variety reality or competition series. Outstanding production design for a variety special. Outstanding casting for a comedy series. Outstanding casting for a drama series. Outstanding casting for a limited series, movie, or special. Outstanding casting for a reality program. Outstanding choreography for variety or reality programming. Outstanding cinematography for, cinematography for a multi-camera series. Outstanding cinematography for a single camera series half hour outstanding cinematography for a single camera series one hour outstanding cinematography for a limited series or movie outstanding cinematography for a non-fiction program outstanding cinematography for a reality program outstanding commercial Ooh, who's the outstanding commercial back to school essentials sandy hook promise before alexa with Amazon, Bounce, Apple AirPods, Groundhog Day, Jeep, The Look, P&G. What do you think gets for that? Uh, probably the Sandy Hook Promise, right? Got to give uh, Back to School Essentials with Sandy Hook Promise. Although the Groundhog Day was pretty good, and everybody likes the Groundhog Day. Uh and then you have, uh, you know, Apple AirPods, uh, AirPods, which is, you know, one of the heads of the four families. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. I just love the idea of these big companies being the new mafia. But uh, that's just me. Outstanding period costumes. Write your own jokes. Outstanding fantasy sci-fi costumes. Outstanding contemporary costumes. Outstanding costumes for a variety nonfiction or reality program. Outstanding directing for a comedy series. Outstanding directing for a drama series. Outstanding directing for a limited series, movie, or dramatic special. Outstanding directing for a variety series. Outstanding directing for a variety special. Outstanding directing for a documentary nonfiction program. Outstanding directing for a reality program. Outstanding single camera picture editing for a drama series. Outstanding single camera picture editing for a comedy series outstanding multi-camera picture editing for a comedy series outstanding picture editing for variety programming outstanding picture editing for a non-fiction program outstanding picture editing for a structured reality or competition program outstanding picture editing for an unstructured reality program outstanding contemporary hairstyling outstanding period and or character hairstyling again do your own jokes uh, outstanding contemporary hairstyling for a variety non-fiction or reality program Outstanding Derivative Interactive Program Outstanding Original Interactive Program Outstanding Interactive Extension or a Linear Program Outstanding Lighting Design Lighting Direction for a Variety Series Outstanding Lighting Design Lighting Direction for a Variety Special Wow, Outstanding Main Title Design Outstanding Contemporary Makeup Non-Prosthetic Outstanding period. I bet you they give that to, let's see, Big Little Lies, Euphoria. Oh, non-prosthetic. Outstanding period or character makeup, non-prosthetic. 
Uh, let's see. Walking Dead gets in some of these. Variety for Nonfiction Reality Program. No, about standing prosthetic makeup for a limited series. Movie or special. Mandalorian. We got a, had Mandalorian had a bunch. Westworld, yeah, has a lot. Music composition. So no Walking Dead in any of the makeup. Which is just incredible to me. They get one. American Horror Story. Horror Story. Yeah, Horror Story. Uh, makeup. Non-prosthetic. What was the makeup? I was saying main title design. Yeah, nobody cares about that. I was saying it was just... Okay. I mean, we're all the way down to music composition for a documentary, you know, through the entire list. Original music and lyrics. Original main title theme music. All stuff that's important to the industry but the stuff that we care about outstanding lead actor in a comedy series outstanding lead actor in a drama series who do they have for the drama series um morning show steve carell jason bateman ozark uh billy porter i could give it to him which no please uh brian cox as logan roy from Succession and Jeremy Strong as Kendall Roy in Succession. Both of those are really good roles and they both do a great job. Bateman in Ozark is great. Steve Carell is great. If they give it to Billy Porter, I may go off the deep end. So that would be another reason you should subscribe to this podcast, Chewing the Fat, on whatever platform you like iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is, you should subscribe to this podcast because if that happens, we could probably use your help because I'll be off the deep end. So subscribe to Chewing the Fat. Download and subscribe to more content at theblaze.com slash podcasts. Hey, quick reminder. Uh, don't forget about the your scream Emails, send me the screams. If you listen to uh, yesterday's podcast and listen to Chewing the Fat segment on Pat Unleashed this morning, uh, you heard me talk about both times about the uh, Iceland promotion that they want uh, people to send them the screams that will be aired in Iceland. I want you to, you know, you could obviously, I want you to send your screams to Iceland and to be heard in Iceland. It's, it's, I mean, it's. The world will be a better place if Iceland hears your screams. But uh, also the world will be a better place if you just send me those screams as well to chewingthefatattheblaze.com email address. And we'll air them. We will air them here on Chewing the Fat. And, uh, you know, it's possible. I'm not sure what the turnaround rate is for the promotion in Iceland that you will get heard on this show and probably by more people than uh, will hear you in Iceland and before they hear you in Iceland. So uh, send the screams too. Uh, we'll air them here on Chewing the Fat, uh, Chewing the Fat at theblaze.com. Speaking of uh, emails, uh, you know, you can email anything, email the show. Uh, anytime, but I got an email, uh, that, uh, you know, is sucking around saying, uh, you know, thanks for the endless entertainment and cracking me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, 20 stars, best podcast ever. Thank you. I appreciate it. And it means, you know, I do, I appreciate it, but, uh, they're asking, you know, he, he, all that, 
all you know this whole pat on the back uh, hugging we love the show for hey do you think you could promote my youtube channel um uh, how about no uh if you want people to see your youtube channel eyes to inspire you know advertise advertise on chewing the fat that's all i ask now look I realized, and I went to the YouTube channel, and I realized that uh, Jeff Prince, the host of the channel, you know, okay, sure, he has macular degeneration, has been getting worse since he was diagnosed uh, since the age of seven, uh, and sure, he's going around uh, making videos of how he's overcoming his limitations. Sure, that's going on, but no, I'm still not going to do it. I'm not promoting Eyes to Inspire YouTube channel. Not doing it. I, you know, I've got my own YouTube channel to promote, Chewing the Fat. I, and you want me to promote yours? And if I do yours, holy cow, then it's, you know, I'm going to get inundated by everybody promoting. I mean, that's, I just, I can't. I can't. I wish I could, but I just, I just can't. So I was watching uh, a couple of his videos. I, I may actually talk to Jeff. Uh, I'd like to know. A, how bad it's getting really in real life and, and what it's like uh, to have macular degeneration and gradually, uh, and I don't know how gradual it is, but he's, you know, he's a lot older than seven now and uh, he's still doing things, but uh, it looks like, uh, you know, everything is a, is a blur. I, and I would be interested to talk to him. So I'm going to, I will reply to your email, Jeff. And, We'll set up a time to maybe talk a little bit about your uh, about your struggles and the positive things that have happened to you uh, because of it. Anyway, it's eyes to inspire on YouTube that I'm definitely not going to promote. I've got my own YouTube channel to promote, as I said, <laughs> chewing the fat. So uh, no, it's not going to happen. So I'm reading the other day about uh, solar power and heroin. And I know that might, you know, that comes as, as a surprise that I'm reading about heroin, but hey, it's what I do. And uh, they're talking about uh, how the heroin industry has benefited from solar power in Afghanistan and what it's meant to them. Uh, it's incredible. Their crops and what they're doing in, in Afghanistan. So in 2012... These farmers were working, according to this, 157,000 hectares. And, you know, from our Australia talk when the fires were burning, hectares are, you know, a little over two acres. And so they had 157,000 hectares and in 2012. All right. So by 2018, all right, in that time frame, they started using solar to... Uh, to help with the production and uh, they've doubled. They had it doubled in 2018 to 317,000 hectares. In 2019, it was 344,000 hectares and it's continuing to grow. Uh, they had poor yields. They The land was not productive. They started purchasing solar and off they go they're building homes um the opium 
seems to be as good or better than ever before. They were producing in 2012 3,700 tons of opium. 3,700 tons. In 2016, they had got it up to 4,800. In 2017, 9,000 tons of opium. I mean, that's a bumper crop. That is a bumper crop. So uh, the poppy cultivated in Afghanistan uh, with uh, the investment in solar energy, everybody's making more money. And we're getting more opium on the streets, which, by the way, is horrible. And I won't hear of it. And this is just not right. And we need to do something about it. Damn those farmers that are growing poppies and opium. Now, when they yield, you know, when they harvest the crops, they're growing other things as well now, thanks to solar power. So perhaps they can, you know, we could work out some kind of deal where those other crops are making more money than the opium deal. You know, good luck because, uh, you know, the, uh, the drug lords in Afghanistan are, uh, well, they're nice people. And I'm sure you could talk to them, uh, you know, one-on-one and let them know, hey, guys, look, uh, we really want you to be growing tomatoes. And uh, so if you could do that, that would be great. And uh, we really appreciate it. I'm sure, I'm sure that the drug lords in Afghanistan would listen to you. No problem. No problem. Now, uh, if they used my plan, uh, you know, a while ago, remember when we first went into Afghanistan, I gave them a Jeff Fisher chewing the fat million dollar idea, uh, turn the caves in, in Afghanistan into beehives and start having uh, Afghanistan create honey. And that would have been the crop that they could have used to uh, take over for the opium. And then now they could be growing tomatoes and have honey in the caves from the bees. And we wouldn't have a shortage of bees. We wouldn't have a shortage of honey. And we wouldn't have a shortage of tomatoes. we just have a shortage of opium, which, you know, is a good thing. Right? Right. Of course it is. 